Welcome to the Shortwave Report. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report is a 30-minute review of news and opinion heard on the shortwave radio and the internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcast at home is quite easy. You just need a shortwave radio with a schedule of English language broadcast, or it's even easier to use a computer or smartphone with an internet connection. To help you with this, I'll announce times, frequencies, and website addresses at the conclusion of each series of stories at the website for this show. That's outfarpress.com. You can listen to the past five shortwave reports, find advice for listening to shortwave at home, and find internet links for global news sources. Please check it out and tell a friend. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, Radio Havana Cuba, NHK World Radio Japan, and the mother of all talk shows with George Galloway. We will begin with Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. The heat waves and drought in Europe have left rivers, a major route for transporting goods, historically shallow. Israeli forces killed more than 40 Palestinians, including children, in what it termed a preemptive strike. Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. For millions of Europeans, the summer of 2022 has been sweltering. A dry spring and hotter than usual temperatures have left several European countries in the grip of drought. Extreme heat waves and forest fires have plagued France, Italy, Spain, and Portugal for weeks. The UK has recorded temperatures over 40 degrees Celsius for the first time. And rivers on the continent are drying up. In the Netherlands and Germany, the river Rhine has dropped so low that houseboats have become stranded and commercial ships can't carry full loads anymore. Let's get more on this from our correspondent Barbara Basil. She's in Nijmegen in the Netherlands. Barbara, the Rhine is one of the world's most important shipping lanes. Is there enough water left in it to keep the boats moving? There is just a bit water left in the Rhine here right behind me. But on the other side, Terry, what you're seeing there are beaches. And they're not supposed to be any beaches. There is supposed to be water over there. So the barges, the Rhine barges that go down to the harbor, the biggest harbor in Europe, Rotterdam, they are just inching past here very slowly. And they're riding extremely high in the water. They can only take about a third of their normal load. Uh, and that means it uh, the, the price, of course, for the transport triples. So for them, this might be the last days today, maybe tomorrow, uh, towards the end of the week, shipping might totally stop here because they hardly have any water left under, under the ships and they can hardly move anymore. A ceasefire between Israel and Islamic Jihad militants has held through the night in Gaza. It follows three days of violence, which left more than 40 people dead and hundreds in hospital. Palestinians took to the streets of Gaza to celebrate the Egyptian-brokered truce moments after it went into effect. We hope that we will not have wars. We are a people and we have the right to live our lives in Gaza. We do not want wars every two years or every two days. 
a flurry of airstrikes and rocket attacks traded in the minutes leading up to the ceasefire, which went into effect at 11.30 p.m. local time. The ceasefire aims to end the worst fighting in the region in more than a year. Authorities in Gaza say more than 40 people, including children, have been killed since Israel began its offensive on Friday. Hundreds more were injured and many buildings reduced to rubble. Israel has called it a preemptive operation against anticipated Islamic Jihad attacks. Two of the group's most senior leaders in Gaza were killed in the strikes. Islamic Jihad lobbed a barrage of rockets towards southern Israel in response. The group's leader spoke to reporters from Tehran after the truce went into effect. The enemy wanted to break Islamic Jihad, but we did not break. On the contrary, the Islamic Jihad movement is still strong and stable, and even more powerful. The achievement is clear. He said Egypt would also work to secure the release of Islamic Jihad leaders being held by Israel. Those reports were from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, which may be heard at a combined audio-video website, DW.com, as well as on YouTube at their channels called DW News and DW Documentary. Next, Radio Havana, Cuba. The United Nations Special Rapporteur for, on Occupied Palestine said that the Israeli air raids were illegal and irresponsible. Cuba experienced the worst fire in its history at a fuel depot in Matanzas and was aided in suppression by Mexico and Venezuela. Death Valley in California received a year's worth of rainfall in three hours, and Iran recorded its hottest ever August temperature of 130 degrees Fahrenheit. Then a viewpoint on UN Secretary General Guterres, who warned that today humanity is just one miscalculation away from nuclear annihilation. Radio Havana, Cuba. The United Nations Special Rapporteur on the Occupied Palestinian Territory says Israel's air raids on the besieged Gaza Strip are not only illegal but irresponsible, calling for a diplomatic solution to the latest bout of violence which began on Friday when Israel launched air attacks on Gaza City. Francesca Albanes told Al Jazeera, quote, The situation in Gaza is on the verge of a humanitarian crisis. The only way to secure the wellness of Palestinians, wherever they are, is to lift the siege and allow aid to enter. Israel has characterized the assault as a preemptive act of self-defense against Palestinian Islamic Jihad groups and its operation could last a week. Albanis blasted the United States for saying that it believed Israel had the right to defend itself. Quote, Israel cannot claim that it's defending itself in this conflict. The U.S. Ambassador to Israel, Tom Nides, wrote on Twitter on Friday, The United States firmly believes that Israel has a right to protect itself. We are engaging with different parties and urge all sides for calm. His remarks were echoed by British Foreign Secretary Liz Truss, who said, quote, The United Kingdom stands by Israel and its right to defend itself. She condemned, quote, The terrorist groups firing at civilians and violence, which has resulted in casualties on both sides. 
An aircraft carrying four tons of recharging foam from Mexico arrived Monday in the western Cuban province of Matanzas as part of that country's aid to deal with the major fire that broke out last Friday. This is the sixth flight sent by the sister nation in response to Cuba's request for international cooperation to deal with the complex situation generated by lightning that struck a fuel tank at the supertanker base in that city. 100 kilometers east of Havana. A few hours after the incident, exports from Petroleos Mexicanos and five fires with equipment and supplies joined the task of extinguishing the fire in one of the tank batteries of the Caribbean Atlas main fuel distribution terminal. Immediate help also arrived from Venezuela, with the contribution of specialists, several tons of foam, and chemical products used in this type of accidents. The actions of both countries are acknowledged by the highest authorities of Cuba, who have expressed their gratitude. In climate news, California's Death Valley National Park received a year's worth of rainfall within just three hours over the weekend, triggering flash floods that left about a thousand people temporarily stranded. A study by the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change found such monsoon rain events are becoming more intense as a result of the climate change. Meanwhile, Iran has just recorded its hottest ever temperature in the month of August. On the weekend, the southwestern city of Ahvaz hit 53 degrees Celsius, or nearly 100 130 degrees Fahrenheit. The heat index was a staggering 142 degrees. The Secretary General of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres, assured that today humanity is just one misunderstanding, one miscalculation away from nuclear annihilation. Due to the current crisis and the dissemination of atomic arsenals all over the planet, during the inauguration of Monday of the five-year conference of the 191 countries that have so far adhered to the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, NPT, the head of the highest world entity called for total disarmament. Never, he warned, since the hardest days of the so-called Cold War have there been moments of such risks nowadays when a misunderstanding, an oversight, or any fortuitous circumstance is enough to open the gates of hell and put an end to life all over the world. Guterres pointed out that nearly 13,000 nuclear weapons are stored in arsenals around the world, at a time when proliferation risks are increasing and safeguards to prevent this escalation are weakening. The NPT is the Multilateral Disarmament Agreement with the largest number of adherents, including the five officially recognized nuclear powers, the United States, Russia, France, China, and the United Kingdom. However, other states have also manufactured these weapons, either openly, such as India and Pakistan, or clandestinely, as Israel is doing so far where experts estimate that between 100 and 200 warheads are stockpiled without any control by international entities. There's obviously a double standard in this matter, since Iran is accused without grounds of carrying out a military atomic program, although its authorities have always denied it and are open to any inspection. Israel, on the other hand, is under no pressure whatsoever to declare its arsenals and accept the rules of the international community. Leaving open the conference, which should have been held in 2020 but was delayed due to the COVID-19 pandemic, Antonio Guterres said that we have been lucky so far, but reminded that luck is not a strategy. 
nor a shield to prevent tensions from unleashing a nuclear war. So far, the only power that has used the atomic bomb against another people is the United States, which reduced to ashes the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki precisely in August 1945. The conference at the UN headquarters is an opportunity to deepen and update the NPT, as well as to ward off the specter of the final war, but political will and good judgment are needed things that were absent at the last meeting held in 2015. Those reports and viewpoint were from Radio Havana, Cuba. Cuba's website is working well at radiohc.cu, though the podcast links are not updated. On shortwave, Cuba may be heard from noon to 1 p.m. at 15140, and from 6 p.m. to midnight at either 6000, 6060, or 6165. All the times I announce are for Pacific Daylight Saving Time, so please adjust them to your time zone. On to NHK Japan. Monday was the 77th anniversary of the U.S. destroying the city of Nagasaki and 70,000 people with an atomic bomb. The World Health Organization says that Japan again has topped the list of new recorded COVID cases for the third week in a row. The Chinese government has released a white paper outlining a peaceful reunification of Taiwan. In response to Nancy Pelosi's controversial visit, Chinese military drills to intimidate Taiwan extended past Sunday. They finally pulled the troops back on Wednesday. NHK Japan People in Japan are remembering the victims of a catastrophic attack during World War II. 77 years ago, the U.S. dropped an atomic bomb on the southwestern city of Nagasaki just three days after the world's first atomic attack devastated Hiroshima. A ceremony was held Tuesday to pray for the world without war and nuclear weapons. Nagasaki fell silent at 11.02 a.m., the same minute the bomb exploded on August 9, 1945. The heat rays, radiation, and blast wave destroyed the city, killing more than 70,000 people by the end of that year. Many who survived suffer from cancer and other diseases related to their exposure to radiation. About 1,600 people attended the annual memorial ceremony. World Health authorities say Japan recorded more COVID-19 cases in the week to Sunday than any other country. That means Japan has topped the list for three weeks running. Officials with the World Health Organization say from August 1st through the 7th, there were nearly 7 million new coronavirus cases globally. That's up 3% from a week earlier. Japan's caseload climbed sharply to more than 1.4 million. It accounted for about 20% of all infections worldwide. Japan also reported around 1,000 deaths, which is a jump of more than 50%. Only three other nations had more COVID-19 fatalities, the United States, followed by Brazil, then Italy. Officials say in many countries, the actual numbers of cases and deaths are likely higher. That's because governments have changed their testing strategies, which has led to a decline in tests. As of the end of July, descendants of the BA5 Omicron subvariant were to blame for about 70% of all cases globally. BA5 is largely responsible for Japan's latest wave of infections. 
On Thursday, Japan reported more than 240,000 new cases and just over 200 deaths. About 600 people are seriously ill with COVID-19, up slightly from Wednesday. The Chinese government has released a white paper outlining what it calls the peaceful unification of Taiwan. It says China will pursue the unification of the island but will not renounce the use of force. The Taiwan Affairs Office of the State Council and the State Council Information Office released the white paper on Wednesday. It says Taiwan is part of China. This is an indisputable fact supported by history and the law. It says the country is now more confident in and capable of achieving the goal of complete national unification than ever before. The paper also says peaceful unification and one country, two systems are our basic principles for resolving the Taiwan question and the best approach to realizing national unification. But it adds China will not renounce the use of force. The paper also says some anti-China forces in the United States deliberately distort the nature of the Taiwan question and their intention to obstruct China's unification should be thoroughly exposed and condemned. The Chinese military has announced drills are still underway in the waters and skies off Taiwan. Its Eastern Theater Command, covering the East China Sea, says one focus is blockading Taiwan, but it gave no details. China launched the exercises in response to U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan last week. The military initially said it would conduct drills through last Sunday. Chinese aircraft have been crossing the Taiwan Strait's median line on a daily basis. The line is an unofficial buffer to prevent accidental clashes between the two sides. Concern is rising China's military pressure may become a constant issue in the area. A spokesperson for China's foreign ministry defended the country's military drills. China's countermeasures against Pelosi's visit to Taiwan are completely legitimate, legal, and a warning to those who provoke and punishment for Taiwan's independence forces. Chinese military leaders are pulling their warships and fighter jets from the seas and skies around Taiwan. It comes after days of unprecedented drills in response to a controversial visit by the U.S. House Speaker. China's Eastern Theater Command made the announcement Wednesday. The unit operates in the East China Sea. Officials say the drills were a success and tested the integrated combat capabilities of their troops. And as the dust settles, China's Taiwan Affairs Office has released a white paper reaffirming Beijing's stance on unification. It states that Taiwan is part of China and says Beijing is now more confident and capable than ever of achieving its goal. The paper also says the Taiwan issue is best resolved peacefully. At the same time, it does not renounce the use of force. Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan. They are now heard from 9.30 to 10 p.m. at 7355 and 6165 or on the web at www.3.nhk.or.jp. If you have questions or comments about the shortwave report or could assist me by supporting this listener-funded program, I may be reached through the website and PayPal or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California 95490. 
please help me continue producing this weekly show, which I freely distribute to radio stations and the internet, like a listener in Albany, Oregon did this week. Many, many thanks. We will conclude with George Galloway's show, Mother of All Talk Shows. George interviewed Chinese journalist Li Jingjing about the anger Chinese citizens felt toward the Pelosi visit to Taiwan, the history of the U.S. agreeing to the One China Principle, and global agreement that Taiwan is part of China. Lee goes on to say that the visit was an intentional provocation by the United States to start a war and attempt to militarily occupy the island, giving the U.S. more control of the Indo-Pacific region. George Galloway. Li Jingjing, welcome back to the mother of all talk shows. It's been quite a week for you Chinese people. Tell us how you felt. Angry, uh, of course. But, and we've been working overtime, of course. The 1.4 billion people in China are so angry. We share the same feeling. And we were so angry at what happened, uh, what Nancy Pelosi did to the Taiwan region, that you know the Chinese social network Weibo got crashed the night that she landed in Taipei. Did it come out of the blue? Uh, did you think there might be bluffing? I think it's not coming out of blue, because and I think we were all thinking this day may come. The United States is no longer sticking to politics or basic principles of international relations. The international community recognize Taiwan is part of China. There's only one China. But still, even the United States uh, recognize that Taiwan is part of China. And I'm totally shocked that how few people realize that, how few people know that. And actually, to prove what we said, uh, I actually printed out two documents, uh, the UN resolution and the Shanghai communique signed by the United States and China. This is the UN resolution uh, 2758, uh, published in the year 1971. Uh, that's called the Restoration of the Lawful Rights of the People's Republic of China in the United Nations. So in this resolution, it decides to restore all its rights to the People's Republic of China and to recognize the representatives of its governments as the only legitimate representatives of China to the United Nations and to expel forthwith the representatives of Chiang Kai-shek, the former leader of Kuomintang in, in, in Taiwan region, from this place and which they unlawfully occupied at the United Nations and in all the record organizations related to it. This is the United Nations. United Nations recognized that and in the Shanghai communique signed by the United States and China, in the year 1972, that's when President of the United States, Nixon, trying to normalize the relations, diplomatic relations with China. I print it out myself. You can also Google it. I'm not just like bringing out some, like many people in the Western countries will say this is Chinese propaganda. No, this is U.S. documents. So you can find it on U.S. government website. It says the U.S. size declared the United States acknowledges that all Chinese on either side of the Taiwan Straits maintain there is but one China and that Taiwan is part of China. The United States government does not challenge that position. It reaffirms its interest in a peaceful settlement of the Taiwan question by the Chinese 
themselves. And it's also uh, that year uh, they decided to withdraw all U.S. forces and military installations from Taiwan. So every government, the international community recognized there's only one China and Taiwan is part of China. Then Nancy Pelosi went to Taipei. That gesture basically means the United States don't follow to their, their agreements. They no longer interested in sticking to the one China policy and they have a third most important politicians going there to support the separatists. That's a blatant provocation. I think they did it intentionally because they want to create a trouble, create a situation, and then you may retaliate, and then they will use that as an excuse to start a war and send their military here. And actually why they are so obsessed with the Taiwan Island, why this tiny island matters to, to them. And if anyone who's interested in geopolitics, you look at the map, you look at where the U.S. military base is located in the whole Indo-Pacific regions. They got a military bases in Okinawa, in Japan. They got a military bases in Guam, in the Philippines. It's a circle. It's, they're encircling China. And uh, Taiwan Island located at a very key, vital location for them because it's just so close to the Chinese mainland. And many viewers in Britain or elsewhere in, in the United States probably don't know how close the Chinese mainland and the Taiwan Island is. Uh, Fujian province, which is just across the streets, is the mainland's nearest uh, province to, to the Taiwan Island. And the, the city in Fujian province, Pingtan, is only 128 kilometers away from Taiwan. So this Taiwan island is very vital for the United States geopolitical ambition in the Indo-Pacific region. And I want to share with you an article I read a few, a few weeks earlier. It's written by a former retired a CIA official who actually served in the command in East Asia and South Asia. I think his, his name is David Sauer. He wrote a opinion piece on the Hill. And you know, sometimes it's really interesting to read the articles written by these, these warmongers because they reveal their true intentions and their projections. They said, Taiwan Island is the cork of the bottle for Japan. And they worry that if the mainland, Chinese mainland reunified with the Taiwan Island, then China will have full control with the shipping lines in Japan and South Korea, which is absurd. I mean, so, but that is a projection that reveals what they want to do. They want to control the Taiwan Island so they can uh, use their uh, their military bases in their nations, use uh, Japan to further contain China. And also they will contain the whole Indo-Pacific region. Uh, Barack Obama, during his administration, he announced this pivot to Asia. What does it mean? The United States will pivot to Asia militarily and politically. But every time they turn to Asia, they bring atrocities to Asia. Their pivot to Asia is bad for Asians. Look what they did. If they had military bases in Okinawa, in Guam, in Philippines, and what did their soldiers did? They tortured, killed, raped the locals. It's always suffering. You always see people in Okinawa protesting against the U.S. soldiers' cruel activities towards locals. The locals cannot cross certain places. I mean, 
their pivot to Asia is not bringing peace to Asia. They want to no, the whole Asia to serve the U.S. geopolitical interests. Li Jingjing, thank you very much indeed for joining us. That interview is by George Galloway, a 30-year former member of the British Parliament, whose interviews used to be on RT for many years until they were shut down in the European Union. He now posts his shows on YouTube. Search for his channel called George Galloway. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people like you to listen to international broadcasts, get a global perspective. You will have to look harder these days because of U.S. and E.U. prohibitions on media. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's outfarpress.com. At my website, you can listen to past shows. Please consider making a safe donation online through PayPal. There's a link at my website along with the podcast link and get advice for listening at home. The shortwave report, which is now in its 26th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. The shortwave report is produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.